We love supporting and promoting the creators of musical theater throughout the world. And we would love to have your support as well. Go to musicaltheaterradio.com and click on the Become a Patron button because a supportive community is a strong community. Welcome back to another episode of Be Our Guest here on Musical Theater Radio. I am your host, as always, Jean-Paul Yovanoff. I didn't have to go very far from my next interview, which is really nice. No time zone change. I'm not heading over to the UK for five hours difference. No international borders to cross. I'm just virtually jumping on the subway and heading into Toronto, which is fantastic. Today, we are speaking with the creator of the musical Dance of the Fox and founder of Four Score Productions. Let's welcome to the show, Sean Yuck. Sean, how are you? Hi, I'm great. Thank you. Awesome. So I want to know a little bit about you before we get into everything else. I want to know who Sean is in 30 seconds. Give us the 30 second bio of Sean. That won't be hard to do. Um, well, I, I am um, a, a theater creator, producer, um, actor and composer based in Toronto. Um, I grew up being a theater lover um, and got really interested in musical theater. Um, I went to a performing arts high school in Toronto, and that led me to uh, on the path of becoming a musical director. Um, so I worked as a musical director and conductor for a little while while studying music in university, amongst other things. And then I got a little bit more interested in arts management and producing. And so I went to a graduate school for that. And afterwards, found myself working for theater companies and music companies. Um, doing things like production management, um, production and design. And that has sort of uh, led me to where I'm at right now, um, being a, a founder of a, a small emerging uh, musical theater creation company based in Toronto. And in addition to that, um, I've worked uh, as well as a composer and um, uh, you know, musical director and director as, uh, on the side, just trying to um, create as well. And so those are the two worlds that I, that I straddle in, quote unquote, theater and uh, <laughs> performing arts, I like to say, because it's more broad. Nice. So when you were growing up, was that, were you uh, surrounded by the arts? Was that a thing? Or were you the black sheep of the family who was, who was the, the musical and theater guy? That's a great question. I was, I was definitely not a black sheep. Um, the, uh, the vibe in my family was theater, theater all the time. Um, my father, before he uh, went into business, um, was an actor from Northern Ontario, um, and he was very, very passionate about musical theater. He made sure to take uh, my brother and I to as many shows as he can or as he could, and that was really um, beneficial because we got so much exposure to, to all these different wild and zany shows, um, smaller stuff, uh, regional productions, as well as the big mega musicals that came through Toronto, Cats, Les Mis, and uh, Phantom, and all those, all those great ones. And yeah, that sort of is what inspired me to, to go into uh, the world of theater. Nice. So did you, did you get to go down to Stratford uh, quite a bit or, and that sort of thing? We did. Yeah. We went yeah. over to Stratford. We got a lot of, um, a lot of Strat, uh, Stratford shows in over the years. Um, and uh, in addition to that, we sort of got to go um, down every year to New York to see a couple things. And I think just the exposure was, was really, really uh, something that I'm very lucky to have had um, uh, when I was much younger. 
And without a doubt, that's, that's definitely what inspired me to, to go into this world. I just admired everybody who I saw on stage, on top of the deck, actors and uh, dancers and whatnot, um, and everyone under the deck as well, musicians and uh, conductors, yeah. especially, you know, stage managers, everybody, the whole, yeah. all of the wheels of the production seem to really, really interest me. Yeah, you can't forget about the, the stage managers and the crew no. and all that stuff. Like they they are so more. Uh, whenever I direct a show, I always tell the actors, you know what? See these people over here? They're just as important, if not more, <laughs> than you mm. because without them, you know, you're not going to be able to do what you do. So mm, you're a smart guy, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, it's we we talk about this a lot too. Um, just in our little four score team. But um, it's always looking at ways to support, you know, those people who make up the backbone of the production as well. Mm. Um, and finding ways to call everybody in, uh, call everybody into the creative process in whatever way we can. Definitely. So growing up, you said you went to the art school. Was it the Etobicoke School of the Arts? I didn't. I actually oh. went to um, a small regional arts school called Father John Redmond. Oh. Um, it was a Catholic secondary school. And um, it was very close to Etobicoke School of the Arts. And a lot of my friends went to Etobicoke yeah. School of the Arts. So um, there was a lot of, um, we, we really gelled um, a, lot of our, a lot of our friend groups. That's cool. But yeah, I studied music um, and it was a fantastic experience. Um, I got to sort of perform a lot. Um, we did a lot of run out, um, run out gigs uh, across the city and across the province. Um, I was a bass player as well as a pianist um, and singer. And so that's, um, those are sort of my, my roots. Um, and in addition to all of that, outside of school, I did um, a lot of community theater and a lot of other musical theater projects with friends of mine who were emerging artists. And so that's sort of how eventually the two, uh, the two worlds, music and theater meshed naturally. No, I always ask, and we're well, not always, but sometimes I ask um, artists, you know, did you always want to go into the, the, the arts, the theater, or was there a point where you kind of wanted to do something else uh, for a brief flitting moment? Or that's, that's a really good question. I definitely was not, um, was not always, you know, um, destined to go into the arts. Um, I definitely was interested Oh God, so interested in, in theater and musical theater um, when in high school. But at the same time, um, I was starting to sort of develop a passion for policy and mm. um, policy and politics. Um, there was um, a great program that I happened across that was offered at a small liberal arts college called Huron, mm. um, an affiliate college of Western University. I applied um, and got in successfully and studied political science there and policy studies actually, um, hoping to go into, um, go into a public policy career. Yeah. But at the same time, um, I also did a minor in music, uh, music theory and composition there. So I, I've always sort of been straddling. Um, I like to think of always sort of been straddling, um, you know, two different worlds um, in that portion of my life. It was okay. politics and music. Um, and at this point, time in my life it's sort of arts management and um and arts creation two more natural spheres to be in yeah um, i'd say <laughs> but yeah that's exactly that, that sort of was um was a little bit of a deviation that that i encountered on my journey 
um, although I've come back <laughs> into the arts and, and like to think I've, I've brought a lot from um, my years in policy studies and politics because of the, uh, oh God, you know, the, um, the ways in which those two worlds, um, the arts and politics are, are sort of meshed and uh, intertwined, especially nowadays um, mm-hmm. when there's so much work to be done in the ways of oh, cultural policy advocacy, um, artist rights. Uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of great stuff that, that still interests me in that, in that area. And that I think is important. There's a lot of skill sets that uh, can go back and forth between them, you know, as a, as a, just as a politician, sure. performing, right? But yep, 100%. But on, the, but on the back end, there's also, you know, working with people with uh, different beliefs and different thoughts and, and, and working for a common goal. Because in politics, you might have your sides and your beliefs, but you're still working for the people right? Your province, yeah. your county, your state, your country, or whatever. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of uh, give and take, just like in the arts. Definitely is. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think that's a that's a good way to put it. Um, the, the two felt quite aligned when I was doing those two things, studying music and politics, because at the same time, um, I was running a really small student theater company um, based out of Huron, mm-hmm. um, called HUDS. That's an abbreviation for Huron Underground Dramatic Society. And it was... Um, it was actually sort of those three things are what got me interested in um, in arts management of all things and um, arts management and arts marketing and development and producing. Um, it sort of felt natural to to try to work on my leadership skills and and end up in that in that world, taking all of the stuff in my toolbox that I learned and um, you know sort of sort of piecing things together, arts projects and undertakings and music theater and whatnot. Perfect. Well, that's a great segue into uh, Four Score Productions. Tell us um, why, why, and how you started it, and uh, a little bit about it in general. Sure. That, yeah, Four Score Productions um, is a very small company I started in 2019. Um, it's an itty bitty music-oriented storytelling production company. So a lot of my colleagues who I was working with um, in theater uh, during undergrad. Who are also musical directors and uh, musicians. Um, a lot of them were interested in finding a way to be of service to the musical theater community from that music, um, from from the musical sphere. And so I sort of talked with a couple of them. Um, we decided that it would be appropriate for us to start a company dedicated to developing. Um, developing musical works um, that were original and new, but also um, producing music-oriented storytelling projects. And when I say that, um, it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, capital M musicals. Um, They might also be song cycles. They might also be um, different types of cabaret productions, um, ways essentially for artists to explore, um, to explore musical storytelling um, with different components of, of the music and with, um, with all of those working pieces. And what we did is we, um, we put on a couple of little workshops of a few original song cycles and, and musicals. Um, and at, at that stage, we were just figuring out really who we were um, and whether or not we would continue or we would have to sort of redefine um, four score might have been too much of a niche uh, approach to the world of musical theater, just focusing on the music. Yeah. Um, however, we um, we were successfully put a couple of those things on, um, 
and we connected with a lot of artists who were interested in finding finding their voice who didn't have musical training um and i should say music training um artists who um were performers and and actors um, who would have liked to learn a little bit more about you know things like music theory music history um even composition in order to add to their toolbox um, as as performing arts professionals and so we did a little bit of that. We provided some training to these artists, equipped them with some, some skills and also helped to network them with uh, musical theater professionals in order to help develop their own projects as well. And that sort of has been a big component of what we've done. Um, hence the name for score. It's, it's really for the score, which is of service to obviously the, the show or the musical ultimately. And that's, that's where we are right now. We produce projects, um, we help train artists um, and help with artist development in music in the context of musical theater. And we also um, have recently become a label, um, a label producing some new, some new albums and um, new EPs. Um, and we have a couple exciting projects that are coming out soon from, um, from some artists who, who definitely have been uh, spending this quarantine time to work on some pretty fascinating stuff. Wow. Well, congratulations on getting it off the ground. And that's always the Thank you. part. Is, is, uh, but but oh, of course, sure. like you said, you started in 2019. And then as we all know what happened in 2020, how, how have you been able to, to lack of a better term, pivot or, or figure out how to keep your company going without being able to, you know, meet in person anymore? Sure. Another great question. Well, for us, the first thing that we did is, um, actually, I should go back and say when Doomsday happened, um, March 2020, and, you know, things, things started to shut down, we started to see the awful effects that, that COVID had. Um, we were going into um, workshop and development for a new work called Lessons on Loving, which eventually became Dance of the Fox. Um, so we had a team assembled, um, we had a book writer and Unfortunately, um, workshops got canned. Um, we weren't able to do anything in person. And also um, it was tough because it was at a time when myself, along with a lot of other colleagues involved, um, lost their jobs working as performers um, and musicians and stagehands and designers in the theater world. Um, pro projects got postponed indefinitely. And so um, we sort of had to wind things down and put things on the back burner. Um, in terms of the project we were working on for a little bit. Um, although we sort of got things back together when we learned about how to do this, how to do this stuff virtually, um, how to how to meet virtually and um, the hardest part, how to how to rehearse and record and oh, explore new material virtually. Um, and I'm sure you know as a director, it's it's very challenging um, when you're not there and you know and in person to uh, to explore new work. And um, I think that the workshop process is so valuable. Um, when it's in person, you you learn from each other. Um, artists breathe life into the piece and the piece changes. Um, yeah, so we, we tried our best to adapt to, uh, to the virtual sphere and um, get this project back off the ground and up and rolling. But it wasn't really working as a piece of um, conceptual musical theater. Um, we just found that the project had to be sort of stripped down 
Um, and we realized um, being a company that focuses on the musical component of musical theater, um, we thought that we should try to undertake uh, creating an album, um, a concept album that would uh, be released later and trying to get everything, get everything done, recorded and um, put together virtually with all these different artists. And we successfully did that in, in March. We launched um, our album for the project called Dance of the Fox. And we've got that, um, we've got more updates on that coming soon, but that's sort of what we, uh, what we did. And I think that gave us a lot of hope and optimism, um, being able to finally launch something, um, put something out into the world um, and also figure out how to, as we've said, pivot, um, become also a label <laughs> as well that produces albums and, and, and records and whatnot. And so that's sort of is what we, uh, it's what we've done since, since COVID really hit. Um, and that's sort of where we're at now. We've, we've redefined ourselves as, um, you know, as I said, a company that produces, um, produces albums, um, musical theater albums and original albums, in addition to uh, musical theater work and services. Yeah. Well, now, before we get to Dance and Fox, I just want to ask, what type of skill sets have you learned? Because the pandemic has, has forced us to, to change and, and figure new things out. Is it what skill set did you not think you were going to need to, to learn that you were forced to learn? And we're so happy that you, you got this skill now in your, your toolkit. <laughs> well, I mean, the first one is definitely um, uh, digital communications, um, it took a lot of, surprisingly, a lot of uh, time and effort to figure out what sort of infrastructure we'd need um, to produce and record um, record a project, you know, all being detached from one another. So that was that's a pretty tactile skill set that I think I think a lot of people have been forced to learn, um, re regardless of what um, you know what what area they work in. And in addition to that, um, we definitely have had to learn. Um, We've also had to learn how to approach um, how to approach teaching music and coaching vocals um, when we're not physically with a singer with an artist. Um, that was something that we had to we had to sort of approach very differently um, in the sense of um, making changes to our music and um, figuring out how to fix latency issues on Zoom. <laughs> And, yeah. and all the good stuff like that um, and therefore be able to capture to capture the artist's work um, and then in addition to that um, you know I like to think of these new projects as being you know 50% is is the is the development component that you'd have in a regular theater production right mm -hmm. rehearsing and um, rehearsing and building the show and then maybe teching and then even when we get to presentation mm -hmm. finally putting stuff down then we go into editing um, and that's oh man, it's so much extra. It's it's so much extra work um, that that we didn't anticipate being such a you know such a huge component of it. But yeah, we had to figure out how to work with um, mixing engineer um, to properly mix and master the piece um, to to clean everything up, um, and then eventually eventually present it, um, launch it. Uh, so you know, I'd say. A lot of tactile skills learned um, in the situation, um, and it's been. I mean, we feel great to have finally figured out how to do this now, and gotten our first project out there. Um, although 
yeah, it was quite it was frustrating um, coming from uh, coming from a sort of more traditional musical theater production um, production background. So right, I'm I'm really I'm really proud of our company and sort of what we've done and how everyone's been so willing and able, especially artists, um, to you know figure out how to use some of this equipment, mm -hmm. um, recording equipment that is. Um, but yeah, you know it's. Um, it's just a, it's just a part of, um, it's a part of life for all of us now. Yeah. We've gotten it figured out. And, and that's the thing as artists, like eight, 10 months ago, we COVID hit and a wall went mm -hmm. up and we all just stared at it. But then eventually we just went, wait, it's only a two foot wall. We can look around it and go, Hey, <laughs> we can, we can figure out a way to, you know, keep yeah. going with what we're doing. We're just going to have to find a different way. And the nice thing is the skill sets you've learned and we've all learned, we're going to be able to keep going, right? We took one step back, but I hope so. We've been able to move two steps forward, which is fantastic. Um, yeah. So again, congrats on that. And so let's, let's Thank delve you. into um, the show Dance of the Fox, because that is a show we play on the station um, with our sure, sample. Yeah. So uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about that and what the show is and um, you know, a little bit more about it. Sure, of course. Well, Dance of the Fox was originally um, a piece called Lessons on Loving. It was a song cycle um, that was in development. This was based on um, strangely a series of um, spam emails that um, a couple of, a couple of, um, of our colleagues had. Um, so we actually did a deep dive through junk email folders. We found a lot of, um, a lot of spam emails that were coming from um, quote unquote escort agencies um, and a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of unsolicited, um, you know, messages that you'd usually overlook. Um, and then a friend of ours email uh, got hacked. And so they started receiving a bunch of these emails um from escort agencies so mysterious and strange um although we sort of um we found the emails to be extremely lyrical um to be also very um very very playful and empowering um we didn't expect that but we took a look at a couple of them that stood out um we we worked with a couple of book writers to sketch out some character ideas um of sort of um modern day modern day escorts who were um taking on the forms of um superheroes of all things and we actually tried to um we tried to breathe life into these characters by giving them songs and giving them music um and sketching out a narrative that's where we that's the point in production that we got to when we reached um the state of shutting things down and when COVID hit um that was back last year in March. Mm -hmm. And so we decided to, um, when, when we decided to sort of revive the project and, and continue working on it, um, we just wanted to keep things fairly abstract. Um, we wanted to take these characters, um, give them power and also give them um, a feminist forward um, perspective um, and a way to essentially um, discuss the work that they do in, in a non-stigmatized um, non way, in an empowering way rather. And so we actually also talked to a lot of different um, quote unquote escort agencies um, and um, escort professionals 
um, to make sure that we were approaching the content um, in a sensitive, in a sensitive and appropriate manner. Um, and they gave us a lot of ideas um, on how we could actually, we could continue to empower these characters um, and, and eventually bring them to life through the music. And so we did that. And um, we worked with um, some awesome musicians on this project um, and some awesome performers and, and vocalists, some of them based um, in Indiana, Germany, uh, Denmark, uh, Serbia, and also Canada. Um, we made sure that the, um, you know, that we, we had the tools um, provided to them, the recording equipment provided um, so that they could lay the tracks down um, and we sort of guided them through the process. But we also wanted the music to sort of pay homage to early 2000s pop club uh, music mixed with jazz and soul. Um, that's the tone of the score. And, you know, meshing that with the, um, with the narrative and the, um, the ideas of these characters, these empowered characters um, who were essentially decreeing their, uh, their, their profession and um, trying to destigmatize the work that they do. Um, the result was the project uh, concept album that got released. Um, and this is still early stages for the project because we're, um, we're in the process of expanding the album um, and bringing a new uh, book writer on board to further, to further guide this project. Although I'll say at this point that it's been interesting because it's, it's jumped around from being you know, a workshop for a show to being a workshop for a song cycle um, to eventually being a concept album. Um, it feels like as the project has progressed, we've sort of taken steps back in the development process. Um, and so because of that, we don't actually think that's a bad thing. We've been, we've been also looking at a lot of, um, a lot of musicals that came out of the uh, 60s and 70s, particularly a lot of Lloyd Webber's work. Yeah. A lot of his work that started as, um, as yeah. just, you know, sketched out concept albums, pretty abstract yet with a narrative. Um, works like Evita and Jesus Christ Superstar were, um, were huge, um, you know, were huge when they were released as albums and then eventually picked up and developed by theater producers. Yeah. Um, so in a weird way, um, we, we, we have sort of moved backwards in terms of Dance of the Fox development. However, um, we're hopeful that perhaps we can, we can continue to move forwards after this um, when, uh, when we really focus on getting, um, getting the score um, further enhanced and completed and getting everything else written and developed. And so that's the project and the project's history and sort of where it's headed. Nice. How did you find your artists? Because you said they were from Denmark and Canada and Indiana and everything. How did you find all these people? Because obviously, if COVID yeah. had never happened, this this whole, you know, everything we think of being an alternate universe of, you wouldn't have found the probably person in Denmark and Indiana. So how did you Sure. Find That's a great question. We did a lot of research um, online um, to find um, vocalists who had... Um, who had the power we were looking for and the, um, the uh, experience, but also um, those, who were, um, those who were interested in, in this project um, because part of it is um, the idea of uh, a lot of the characters, the escorts being based in Eastern Europe. Um, so we were looking for a specific type of accent as well. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, we, we were able to spend a lot of time um, searching the web, doing research, um, connecting with artists, um, offering auditions, 
um, and without the bounds of, um, you know, having to necessarily um, work with um, work with the artists we had at, at arm's length or arm's reach. Um, yeah, because of COVID, we were we were able to look um, all over the world <laughs> in a in a way yeah. um, to find the right artists for the project, and that was. Um, that was in the end really exciting because bringing all these artists together, um, they, they had such unique perspectives and approaches to their craft. Um, it was, that was a really magical time for us um, when we finally got everyone together to start building the piece um, from all over the world. And so, yes, I think that because of the restrictions and because we were forced into doing this all online virtually, um, we had really no bounds um, in terms of who we could who we could get. We could really reach out to a lot of artists all over. So we're proud to say it's sort of an international cast at this point, um, and it's continuing to build. Um, yeah, that's that's how we found these people. Do you, do you see yourself going in that direction in the future with other projects, or do you think you'll go back to more traditional, um, you know, people in town will find you, we'll go to a setup, or or maybe a hybrid. How do you how do you see yourself? That's a oh, yeah. I've been thinking a lot about that because um, I really like the uh, I, I I really like to serve a role and continuing to build opportunities for artists locally. Um, I'm a proud Torontonian, and I mean I love the theater scene here, and, and there's some incredible artists. Um, and so I I think we do definitely want to focus locally um, in in the next little bit although it's it's opened our it's 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 broadened our perspective um having artists come in from all over the world to put these things together um just because without the limits on um on you know who we can who we can bring in due to geographic restrictions um because we're in the virtual world yeah we we definitely enjoy that um although yeah in the meantime we definitely do want to continue to uh to work with to work with artists locally if we can. Um, and I really like the traditional, as you mentioned, the traditional process for developing a, a work. Um, I think it's, um, I think it has worked. Um, and I also think that there are a lot of great things that come of it, but I guess we have to wait patiently until we're able to do that again. Um, and, and yeah, that's, that's sort of what I think about it. I think we'd love to, we'd love to bring in artists from all over, but we're sensitive to, um, the fact that we also really want to continue to be of service to this arts community um, locally here. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, since I'm part of it, I'm very happy with it. So <laughs> thank you. So if you can talk about it, what, what other future projects do you have on the go um, with yourself or even with right. uh, Fourscore Productions? Yeah, great question. I mean, we're currently in the process of expanding um, and building Dance of the Fox, um, but we also have a uh, song cycle coming up that um, I'm currently working on. I'm serving as the composer, a colleague of mine um, who's my business partner is serving as the arranger and, and orchestrator. Mm -hmm. um, and we're working with another small um, emerging theater company in Toronto called On Its Way Productions. Um, we're in the process of building we're in the process of building this out, um, hopefully to be uh, to be announced in June of this uh, June of this year, 2021. And in addition to that, we've got another concept album that's also being sketched out um, that we're planning to go into uh, development with in about a month um, in May. 
and we're really excited for that one. It's a very different, um, it's a very different idea, different story. And, and again, a local book writer. Um, we can't tell you who yet, but we're, <laughs> we sure are excited to to share the name in the news once we can. I get a, so I get a lot of, of that doing. on the program. I can't tell you. <laughs> I want to, but I can't tell you yet. I'm like, all right, fine. I will oh, wait I know. like everybody it's, else. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's the wait. It's the wait, but it's um, it's hopefully worth it. You know, nobody has many places to go right now, so yeah, I guess it's uh, <laughs> it's a bit, it's a bit of a, it's a bit tease, but it's um, yeah, we're very excited to uh, to get our next um, two projects announced and um, and uh, developed and produced. Well, congratulations on on starting the company. Thank you. Going and and seeing that there there's a lot of forward momentum and you've got a lot of stuff on your plate coming up. Of course. Oh, well, thanks so much. That that means the world. No problem. So, Sean, thank you for coming on and, and talking to me today and and uh, and letting the world know about uh, you know the 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 good stuff that's happening in Toronto. You know, I uh, the the podcast goes right. out to the world and everybody knows about their own little areas, but. It's always nice to promote a local person and, and help oh, find a global, you know, foothold of some kind. That's really nice to hear. I mean, thank you. Thank oh. you very much for having me. Oh. And uh, thank you to, uh, to MTR for all the great stuff they put out there. Well, you thank know? you. But before we go, I always ask yep. three questions of my guests. There's no right or wrong answers, but we're going to learn a oh, little bit okay. about you and decide for ourselves whether you have some wrong <laughs> Okay. So question number one, it's, it's probably the easiest of them all. What creator or team within the musical theater world has had a great influence on you? Now, this could be a composer, lyricist, director, producer, actor, stage manager, or it could be somebody famous, not famous, maybe like a teacher or a local teacher or something like that. Is there anybody mm. in the musical theater world who's, who's influenced you? Yes, definitely. Um, in terms of creative duos, definitely uh, Gwen Verdon and Bob Fosse. Um, classics you know staples in the um in the musical theater canon in terms of the the work they've done together um and a lot of the um a lot of the pieces that they you know that they collaborated on directly sweet charity uh chicago those have sort of been um those are some of the first the first shows um that i heard the soundtrack to when i was a lot younger we had the records and um so I sort of grew up with it, but I just adore, I, I adore the things that, that Fosse and Verdon, um, Fosse and Verdon did. Such dynamic and uh, incredible, incredible work. So true. Uh, correct answer. <laughs> go <laughs> wrong with that, that one. <laughs> I got okay. it right. <laughs> Question number two. Since you had a political background, yeah. you, you did politics and stuff like that. Yeah. If you could sit oh. down the, the arts and cultural um, ministers of you know ontario or canada what would you tell them right now mm, well i had i i definitely would say a lot um <laughs> i think that cole's uh, notes sure. um <laughs> definitely right now i mean the, the the performing arts have um in all honesty they've been decimated um there have been a few opportunities for artists and creators to um you know to practice their craft um, we've tried to adapt the best we can and the support, um, though it's been there um, in terms of financial support for, for small companies and for artists directly, um, it's been there, but it hasn't been, um, it hasn't been direct enough. Um, I think that having, having representation 
um, continued representation for not just the arts, but also the, um, the charitable and not-for-profit sector um, at, the, uh, at the public policy tables is going to be of huge importance in order to get the cultural sphere back off the ground, back up and running. Um, I think that artists, uh, we need to also think a lot about how we can directly support artists um, because it's difficult to respond um, to, to the changing times um, if you are uncertain, if you're as an artist, when you're going to be going back to work, um, when the opportunities will be there for you to do what you do again, um, if they will be there again. And so, um, you know, appreciating the, uh, appreciating the impact that, that artists have um, is, is step one and step two is finding ways to make support more uh, direct and pointed for those individuals. Nice. Well, that is a, definitely a correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to hear that as and, well. <laughs> and all the politicians that are listening right now, please take note of what Sean said. You are not just speaking, Sean, for Ontario and Canada. You're speaking yeah. to the world now. Global artists. Oh, of course. Yeah. What you're saying will, can be applied anywhere. So uh, thank you for that. So correct of course. answer for question number two. Oh, so, I'm glad. <laughs> question number three, and this is one that's going to tell us who you really are. Yeah. Food in the theater or phone, cell phones in the theater? Which is worse? Mm, uh, I have to say cell phones. Okay. And that's because uh, I anything that takes you away from the story being told, it just really irks me. Um, I think that oh, there's, it's, 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 well, first of all, it's very distracting to the performers, um, to, you know, the, the, the musicians and actors on the stage. Um, but in addition to that, um, it's also just not, it's not allowing you to be in the moment. Mm -hmm. um, it's taking you out of the moment. And the moment is, that's where the magic exists. That's really where we should be, um, you know, where we should want to find ourselves when we go for a night out at the theater um, or at the theater in the afternoon. So definitely mm, cell phones, <laughs> food, you know, food, may, food maybe will be enhancing your experience. Um, it might not be enhancing the experience of those sitting right next to yeah. you when it's a crinkly wrapper around a candy. But um, yeah, I, I think that more so cell phones because they take you out of the, um, they take you out of the moment and that's not good. All right. Well, I also would have accepted both are awful, um, <laughs> but you are correct with your answer. Three oh, good. Three. <laughs> three for three. Okay. Very good shot. I have no prizes, but uh, oh, that's, that's all okay. I got. <laughs> it's just mm. <laughs> um, Sean, thank you again so much for coming on and talking to me today and, and letting us know about uh, what you do in Forest Score Productions. Oh, and sure. Thanks for having me. Very no. happy to uh, to have had a chance to chat. Awesome. All right, everybody, tune in next week as we'll be speaking with another guest or guests about their life, love, and passion that is musical theater. I am your host, as always, Jean-Paul Yovanoff, and I will see you when I see you. We love supporting and promoting the creators of musical theater throughout the world, and we would love to have your support as well. Go to musicaltheaterradio.com and click on the Become a Patron button, because a supportive community is a strong community.